So my uh, my kids woke up at 5 a.m. this morning. Uh, so, you know, we had ample time to do a, uh, a restart of one of my favorites uh, products of New Zealand, Power Rangers Dino Thunder. Now, I'm pretty sure it's Dino Thunder. I don't think it's Dino mm. Charge. You know, I, I highly recommend uh, Dino Thunder. Uh, I think it's it's well done. The first two se- episodes, two-part thing over two episodes, it's actually like they sat down and they're like, you know, what if we had a plot? And, and it's pretty nice. Whoa. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. But it brought up a question. I need to fix my chair here. I'm like pulling a Merlin man. But, uh, you know, it brought up a question that I had that I wanted to pose to to you two. Now, in that, there are multiple characters who do this thing where they wear a T-shirt and they have a long sleeve unbuttoned shirt over it. Now, I've noticed this is something they do up in the Midwest and in other geographies. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just want to ask you guys a very open-ended question. What is up with that? Right. I'm not saying it's bad, but like, I don't do that. Right. Which is not an invalidation of it, but it's sort of like, is that like, like the, I I have this picture of Ray Romano and everyone loves Raymond or maybe Jerry Seinfeld. Like, isn't this kind of like a nineties thing to do to like run around with your unbuttoned shirt? Yeah. Very, very much a nineties thing. Uh, Now, now are they, are they dress shirts or are they flannel? Well, uh, in the first episode, one of them, and perhaps you could identify the New Zealand flag better than I can, Matt Ray, but it's some sort of British Empire flag that's all over the guy's shirt. Uh, <laughs> oh, yep, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> this is the, the part where I just insult some random geography uh, in each episode. Uh, but then, then another one is just like a normal, you know, uh, plain colored shirt, uh, no print or anything. And, and, you know, granted, I'm sure Power Rangers Dino charge or thunder i don't know uh was probably made some time ago but still like i feel like this is this is something i am not really apprised of it's not in my uh my laundry basket of possible fashion looks i mean do you guys wear your that Mm. look not anymore Mm. (laughs) so i want to say like in the the grunge era you know 1990 Mm. to 94 ish you know i was probably wearing but I wasn't. Wearing, I wasn't wearing like you know solid color. I just uh, I was you know high school kid and wore t-shirts under a long sleeve flannel shirt. I, I I envision you had a black shirt and from the bottom rising up like your GPA were flames. Is that did you have that? Uh, probably not. Uh, mostly band shirts. Okay, band shirts. But, makes sense. Yeah. You know, and then they they as they got older they replaced by uh, software companies, which is probably sadder. Yeah. No, but but the over build a wall. Yeah. I want to see a wall of your shirt hierarchy, starting maybe when the you started college to now. It'd be uh, that would be a nice evolution of uh, oh. bands, technology, and really just the whole technology spectrum. It'd be a couple <clears throat> generations of uh, things. So that would be a good. Someone must have this on Pinterest somewhere. We should find that. Yeah, probably not mine though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think if you dug in my t-shirt drawer, it'd be like, "What the fuck is DevOps, and why does that is that the only shirt this guy has?" I have actually, <laughs> I have used like the uh, the Cotton Bureau and ordered myself. Uh, I'm doing some fancy living. I've ordered a few thirty dollar t-shirts here and there. I think uh, I think that is Whoa. the most I've ever spent on. T- they they are very nice, and uh, I I like I like the things that they support, as it were. But still, that's uh you know. Welcome to the Privilege Tower, where we wear $30 shirts. On the other <laughs> hand, I have plenty of other shirts that were completely free uh, that, that I have in there. Uh, so, yeah, I think I don't know. most of my t shirts are free. 
know, software shirts, just, you know, going to conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, Chef obviously likes to hand out shirts left and right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got, I got a lot of that, but I don't really buy t-shirts anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Jay-Z said it's something about being 30 plus. So wear a button down. Oh, <laughs> now is that weight size or age? <laughs> what is he now? <laughs> I, I believe it was age. You know, I this reminds me of something well, I had totally forgotten of. I was up at um, where was I? Some I was up at an Apogee Road show up in in the Dallas Fort Worth area at a Top Golf uh, thing. Very, very mixed feelings about Top Golf. Uh, and uh, but I got an Uber the second time I've gotten an Uber pickup truck, and the guy drove up. And do you remember? Do you remember one of those guys in Hands on a Hard Body who like had a really like. He he was he was a, an African American gentleman, and he had this really distinct like North mm-hmm. Texas accent. And I I swear to Christ, this guy sounded exactly like him. It was awesome. But <laughs> the even the even more interesting thing is he was just like playing some Black Eyed Peas and Jay Z and stuff, just letting it all hang out there. Which you know no, you know Uber drivers aren't always doing that. And it was it was one of the most pleasurable Uber driving experiences I've ever had. Yeah, a lot of times they're like, "Oh, do you want me to turn it down?" I'm like, "Just put on whatever you want to listen to." You know, I'm, you're not bothering me. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of times it's 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 like this easy listening electronica. Yeah. Yeah. Or or like smooth jazz. I'm like, you're killing me. Yeah. What one time in Charlotte, I heard some radio show called the Sweat Hotel, and that that was <laughs> that was good stuff right there. Uh, well, so before we get started, I had a few little follow-up items, little administrative, uh, as it were. So first of all, if, in case the listeners have noticed, I've moved all this stuff over to uh, Fireside.fm, hosted by uh, Dan Benjamin and his people. So now there's no longer a vanity URL. You can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, and like it's all there. And so if you want to see episode oh. numbers, you just do softwaredefinedtalk.com slash the episode number. Like this is 77. So you can go see the show notes now. The experience there is is great. I think both for it, well, I don't know about users, but both of the users and the administrator, like the user thing, like it's got a player and you can do time codes and it's got this link thing. It's really, it's really fancy pants. And uh, administrative wise, like it's fun. You can put in like links to hosts and, and like the, our fake sponsors and all this stuff. It's a good service. You should try it out. But, you know, in switching over the feeds, you know, sorry if there was like double downloads of stuff. Now, the other thing, uh, you know, you should check out the page for it. Uh, we also got a review in French, which is nice in the iTunes store. And uh, someone also followed up on our one bag talk. talk. They, they recommended this Osprey bag that I've looked at. I'll put a link to it. And it's like the big, gigantic one. And uh, I'm going to go for, the, uh, I'm gonna go for the, the Christmas Father's Day loophole this year. There's a ban on buying any new bags. I just got a really nice bag for speaking at the All DevOps Days thing, this leather Kenneth Cole number with a little uh, impression of All DevOps Days on it. it smells great. But I'm going to go through that loophole and see if I can get one of these backpack bags because it sure is nice looking. Mm. So that's your follow-up. What, what, what's, uh, what's been going on while we haven't been recording? What do you guys got? An exciting piece that I got to read about our old friend, Agile Software Development. Mm. Our, none other... <laughs> Then Michael Cote has uh, published yet another shit on the state of what I call uh, agile software development. And in it, Cote, you were talking about, I think you cited some, uh, some nice analyst surveys. I think you said mm-hmm. someone, something said something like 45% of the respondents are still doing waterfall. And this got me thinking about uh, one question. It's like, is, um, 
is actual is agile software development bullshit? This is what I've been thinking about for um, you know for a long time. Like, mm. does it really? So, a couple things. One, I want you to like tease out the article. So, I think the point you were trying to make is most people have said they've adopted agile, but really only parts of it actually take in a large organization is that kind of like what you're the summary of, of yeah you know yeah i, I think and, and, and if if you've seen me do my little stump speech this is this is like a point that i talk about which is uh you know i i think i think i put i put the creation of agile somewhere around the mid 90s or so when there was the uh the c2 wiki which i'm sure we used to all go look at remember uh, ward cunningham the original wiki and People would write up stuff, and so they discussed things oh, yeah. there. And then the extreme programming book came out in like '99 or something, right? Which I think is—I I can't do math, but that's like 17 years. So whatever, let's say like 20 years. So it's been around for a long time and debated by all the people and been through the ringer. And and despite the current provocative question, I think pretty much everyone accepts that agile software development is uh, is a good idea. Maybe there's all sorts of uh, interesting exceptions and stuff like that, but uh, it's it's supposed to be the thing you're doing. And then, I you know, uh, everyone kind of says they're doing agile, right? Like, and and you this you especially see this when you write a piece at the register every month, as I do. And many of the comments are like, "I already do that, you bugger," or however the British people talk. Um, and they've been doing they've been doing it forever. Don't read the comments, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, at, at this point, I only look at the comment they, count. That's the interesting question. Do, does anyone really do it? You know, like I mean, I think the point I liked I I liked your piece, and the piece was something like, um, yeah, there was a line in there, something like, you know, like the thirty minute meeting where everyone's sitting down. Which I don't know. It just like echo. It like it spoke yeah. to me personally. I was like, yeah, yeah I no, found it, this exactly. The, and so this is the meetings I've I go to, or I've actually been a part of a lot of these, and and I and I not even trying to be like, you know, negative. I mean, overtly negative about it. It's like, is it even really like possible? Because this is where I guess I'm thinking about it. Because there's another like new, um, I don't know new processor i don't know i think of it as new but like design thinking is making its way around like i've been to several design mm-hmm. thinking workshops um you know here at ibm we, we do a lot of it and it's cool it actually has a, it has like its own way of um kind of proposing like you know, uh, self-directed teams and there's a lot of good into it right yeah and and i guess and then, you know i was thinking agile i was actually putting agile like kind of like almost like 2000 and I was thinking that iterative development, I don't know, was that on the life cycle of this, you know, kind of like iterative object oriented was like early nineties, um, you know, kind of like, I don't know, sort of like the first phase outside of waterfall. And then that sort of, but I think all of these, like, I think it's interesting to walk back to like the business problem at hands. I think they all stem from the, the, the question or the admission that groups eventually come to is like, man, we're really not sure what we should be building. Like totally. all of these things come back one question like, man, we're not sure what we should build. So let's just not pretend that we know how. And I think that's if there's anything that's good about come of all these methodologies, it's like it's surfacing that question over and over. But then the actual promise of each methodology, agile, iterative development um, and lean software development thinking i think they're all try. they at least they're kind of proposed as like if you do it this way you'll know what to build right and they don't like none of these things really answer that question 
like the diet. I mean, this way, I feel like it's like diet books. It's like all diet books kind of, you know, come down to like eat less, exercise more. Yeah. Um, and but that's a hard, right? It's really hard. And the diet books are sort of like you read one or you maybe get onto a diet because they feel like, well, if I just follow this, it'll work. But like it doesn't mm-hmm. replace the hard work of like you do have to get up every day and eat less and exercise more. I mean, it's just, it's just really hard. I think that's the same thing with design thinking, agile, lean software. It's like it is really hard to determine what you should be building to solve a problem, to make money, or to you know meet your goals. And that's why I guess like I just feel like that's the question these things need to be asking more. And it's less about stand up meetings, user stories, and backlogs. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can ahead. you can you can absolutely go through the motions that make it look like you're doing agile. You know, but there's still you can still you know scrum and 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 you know demo every two weeks without having uh, a good process um, and you know sitting at your chairs and maybe not knowing what you're doing. There's everywhere I go, everyone's doing agile. You know, they're oh yeah, we're we're totally agile shop here. I'm like seriously, you guys, you know, who you know release every six months, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what what the solution is, but it's it's like you know it's like dentists asking you know their patients you know do you, do you floss and and everyone's like oh yeah daily and you know I, I floss the other you know <laughs> yeah, yeah you know I feel I feel that's, I feel as though Brandon say, you you have uh, you have dug right to the filet mignon of pretty much everything I talk about just like right into there and 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 you know you hit upon the first thing and I think the uh, I think the uh, I think it's even in the Agile Manifesto, but it's basically like it's worded some fancy way. But it's like we have no idea what the fuck we're doing, right? Like we don't know. It's hard for us to predict things, and it's hard for us to figure out and prescribe what software should be doing. And there, there's another insight which I've never captured very well, uh, which is uh, the thing with software is you can make it do pretty much however you want, whenever you want. Now you should test it and make sure it compiles and all this stuff. But like, you know, if you put a good process in place, it's like, you want that button to be blue? No problem, right? Like, you want to be able to print from here? Sounds good. So there are these two things. Like, if software can be made to do whatever you want in an extremely reasonable amount of time. Uh, You know, obviously there's limitations. It can't defy gravity and other nonsense. Uh, And yet, and then you have this other thing where it's just like, no one... Can perfect. We've consistently shown that the first like fifty versions of software are not very good, right? And and yet the process we have tends to not really embrace these two things. And to to y'all's point, right? A lot of people say they do agile, and they're more uh, uh, as they like to say, cargo culting it, right? Like they might they might be using like Jira or some Kanban thing, and they're probably even using Git or Subversion, and they have the meetings. You know, it's it's one of the uh, the pivotal labs people, Robbie over in London, who said, you know, if if you're sitting down for a thirty minute you know stand up meeting, you're not doing agile. All these things. And that's what the the Gartner chart that I have in there shows, right? Is it goes through all the practices, and uh, it pretty much shows that people don't really do them very well. And now there's a bit of a mystery, like if everyone says they're doing agile, why did they admit in this survey that they aren't? So that's kind of strange, but whatever. It's not like we're going to get Nate Silver to come analyze these polls. Uh, <laughs> but but it it is like this thing, like the the conclusion is basically, uh, nope, people don't do agile. And this is what I advise people to use another quip, right? Like it's just like, uh, you know, editors of newspapers used to say, if your mother asks you if she loves you, check it out. So you should go and make sure that people are actually doing agile and chances are they're not. 
And I think, you know, I think similarly, the yeah. same approves. We don't need to go into this, but like people will say they're doing portfolio management. And then their next question is like, I got all this legacy software holding me back. And, you know, equally, they're probably not doing portfolio management. Now, uh, you know, the other the other thing that I think uh, to, to add there is um, I still get really frustrated by obtuse, agile long timers and people who like never really tell you exactly what to do but i'm a lot more understanding now in the sense that there's a certain danger in prescribing exact things to do in agile because then you'll get in a situation where people are cargo culting so while it does tend to favor consultants like you sort a lot of things are situational there they, they could do a lot better at going over basic practices and recanting cases and anecdotes and sort of proof but how you apply those things in the timeline you do it like requires a lot of uh hands-on will so yeah i mean i i think i i would agree generally with your premise i mean i think the practices uh are proven more or less but what's not proven is that they're i mean it's like matt ray's flossing example is great it's like flossing is about 40% awesome. And the reason it's not 100% awesome is that there's nothing about flossing that compels people to actually do it, right? Like it, it, there's the, the rate of, of flossing as a, a, as a uh, oral hygienic tool is probably pretty terrible because people just don't do it. Like it's, I can't think of a counterexample of some habit that's really easy to do. I guess, you know, bacon is an extremely successful food. Right. Like it may not be healthy, but you don't really need to encourage people to eat it. They will. You put it in front of them and they will eat it. It compels people to you know, follow but, it. But people jump, jumped all over Atkins. Right. Mm, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Which, so, so, so maybe you know, may, maybe if we could find some sort of you know, software development you know, equivalent of the Atkins diet, that's like, you know, we call it the uh, procrastination and video game diet. Right. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, like like the I was just remembering, you know, like like idiocracy, right? Where the guy's always like baiting, like I mean, it's just like <laughs> I, I think I think uh, I think that paints the picture of a world where, where people uh, people are doing what they're highly incented to do. <laughs> so, but on on the agile thing, I you know one thing I just I guess maybe just I see a lot of there's always a lot of all and. Book written, and I you know, think I just largely think of agile as just a tactic, right? It's just like another thing that you can do to manage a product. But like, there by doing agile, this is I have no data to back this up, but my belief is, you know, you can't show any causation. Like companies that do agile make more money or build better products. Like it's yeah. just, you know, it would just be random, and, you know. And that if anything, moving to agile is something that you should do or you probably need to be concerned about once you have like a product that's going that's maybe fairly successful and you know some product you found some pocket of product market fit right at the beginning you know i i don't think it matters i think all that matters the only question anyone needs to be asking is do we have enough empathy for this set of user clients uh, such that we think we actually have the insight to build something to help them and it doesn't matter, like, mm. I don't even matter how you do it. Like, you could just be, like, one guy. Uh, and I think there, and this is why I think if you go back to the origin stories 
of various software successful software companies it's like there's nothing about methodology it's like somebody kind of either accidentally found that they did it because they were in the industry for a long time and they kind of just like sort of knew it and they launched a product or they did they went out and did a lot of research and they figured it out and they kind of hacked something together and that's going to make that's the thing that's going to get you going right and then maybe 6 months or a year later when you're sort of like got this successful product and i've seen a lot of this right where i you know it's those places where i've maybe been lucky good and bad to enter into a company it's like well we hacked all this together we sold it and we're making all this money but uh nobody has a roadmap we have no idea when engineering is delivering and uh sales and marketing has no idea when new releases are coming but somehow we're we we're making money right because they somehow someone stumbled into that product market fit and had that empathy and then you can get to the point where like you know what we should do we should come in and try to put some kind of structured process in place agile being one right to help you you know kind of like make it predictive but like only if you did the front part does the agile stuff even matter it's like yeah. to me it de- it depends on like the problem you want to solve but like i don't know all this talk about lean software development agile at the beginning is just i think it's kind of wasted uh i i think it's wasted if you are starting from scratch but most projects aren't starting you know from scratch they're they're maybe a new product that's complementary to something else you do you know you're writing your second third product and you know you're going to be more mature about it because now you're past the three pre- person startup stage and you got eight people you know it's I, I there's a lot of value to having a process that people can identify and and i think the thing about agile is like it's right now it's the best thing out there because you know it's like democracy every all the alternatives are worse um until you know somebody comes up with you know agile plus plus or you know but the thing about agile is it puts it puts the infrastructure in place so when you need to pivot quickly to be more responsive, you can. And I don't see that with other methodologies. You know, you're like, oh, waterfall. Well, oh, you know, uh, in a month we need to be able to do this. You know, like, oh, well, we didn't plan for that six months ago. Yeah. Um, and and I, you know, and if you don't know where you're going, at least making a new course correction every two weeks or whatever is, is much better. You know, you're not going to go off into the weeds for six months. You can at least, you know, get a lot of testing and and guardrails in place for when you do have to make a, a quick transition to, you know, a m- more focused product. So it's bad, but the alternatives are worse. <laughs> I, I, I think I think I think there's there's like in, in my mind, there's like five different buckets of matrix intersection going on here. The first one is like a series of three buckets of, let's call it, to be all fancy and say product instead of project, because that's what the Agile folks like. There's three types of products. There's, uh, we're going to start off with something brand new that hasn't existed before. And this is usually like in the consumer space. And so uh, we're going to have a, a small team of people and they're just going to like try to figure it out. It's sort of like you're in the labs and, and you can apply all your like lean startup product marketing fit and exploratory stuff. And, you know, in that mode, this is the mode where you have the ultimate thing of not knowing what you want to do. And all of the halo affected things of, uh, you know, I think the career of Stuart Butterfield is like this in spades where it's like we were making like two times that dude tried to make a game with his friends and two times he ended up making Flickr and Slack instead, right? They, they took, they took a tool that they ended up writing instead of the main thing they were working on. And, you know, in that process, it's basically like your main thing is to realize is to find opportunities 
and just write your code and process well enough so you can sort of pivot. And then I think that brings you into the second type of bucket where you kind of sort of know the thing you're working on, but it's very, you're very free to do whatever you want. You don't have sort of like schedules or laws or things to fit on. Like you, and, and this is, I think, to a certain extent where most of the software in the enterprise space sort of fits in, right? Like if, if you're like the product managers of like, you know, Salesforce's CRM system or SAP's Concur system, it's kind of like you get a bunch of requests for features and you can just kind of decide what to do based on whatnot. Right. Like it's there's not a lot of it may feel like there's a lot of constraints, but compared to the third bucket, there's not that many constraints. Now, the third bucket is like you need to implement a system to sell healthcare to a bunch of people in the U.S. in a year. Go. Right. It's just like you have you you have very little control over the iron triangle or it could be we're on a five to ten year plan to create a new missile defense system. And it's not like you can like lean startup your way into that. Like it would be cool if you could maybe but like it's just of such scale and scope that basically you as the so- the product team are kind of like fucked in a sense of having any self direction <laughs> but let's and- pick apart let's i think there's a couple good ones in there let's pick apart let's like slack that's the Stuart butterfield right so that's mm-hmm. and then flicker right was this other one so I, I think i don't know let's for the sake of argument let's say that we believe Stuart butterfield and his teams are high performing agile teams right let's yeah. just agree to that before we go into it and say so one fundamental weakness with, with that and i think this is where it sort of comes a lot out of the software development side is is it says well the first thing we're going to do is we're going to have a product owner this is the equivalent of like saying well the first thing we're going to do and take all the hard problems and we're just going to pretend that one person has all the answers, right? And that is like to me the starting point. It's like you're never going to know all the answers to any what people want. It is truly a difficult uh, task. And so what, just in offloading that to like one position is in itself nuts, I think, right? But like granted that for a second, but like look at the the Slack example. When they tried to build games using a high-performing perform, high Agile team, they completely failed at the game part of it. But when they were came into it and said, hey, we've got these other things that we see, one being picture sharing and Flickr, second being collaboration with Slack, they really hit on you know home runs, right? Those things went on to be really successful. And like the p- important point there was the teams were always the same, but it was the empathy in the problem that really came first. And like to me, all of the agile talk, there's always talk about user stories and methodology in meetings, but most of the real uh, determination of your success is going to be about what problem are you solving and the product owner function. How much insight do you really have? So like if you were to say, just give me somebody with like a ton of insight and no agile team, and I think I'll have a better chance of building a for a product and give me a high-performing Agile team pursuing a product that doesn't have that empathy or that kind of insight into what they're building. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, so like, how would how how would you like separate those those two modes? Like, one of them is is one of them like an approach, and the other is a different approach, or like what? Uh, I don't know. What does that look like? Well, the first thing I think you have to like say. I think the team has to take responsibility for understanding. The, the, you know, if you want to call it the product market fit or the empathy, right? That needs to be an entire team goal, right? And there is like, you know, I feel like I've seen this before. Like, there's, and I, I understand that, like, people love to like 
Right. I mean, especially, obviously, if you're in software development, you're good at it. You like to be heads down writing code. It's the only way you can be successful at it. So part of Agile is, part of where it outgrows from, I believe, is, hey, we're tired, like, we're a group of developers. We're tired of the requirements changing all the time and not expecting it. We just need to know two, for two weeks what we need to build. And, yeah. then, and, two more, and then we'll show you something. But do for the most part, do not bother us because we will have our headphones on. I will give you one stand-up meeting a day for five minutes. And other than that, I will be building you know, uh, this complicated software stuff. And if I have any questions, I will walk to a product owner who can somehow answer any potential question related to how this should be used, right? So some of it, that's obviously I'm painting you know, a very bleak picture there. Some of this is like, hey, I, I just write code, don't bother me, right? And it's like, for it to be truly successful, that whole group has to be like, do I get this problem? Do I really get it? Do I understand what it um, it is? Like, you know, the classic example is like, I'm never going to put uh, a list of, um, you know, 10,000 items and I'm going to uh, um, pagination it so it's 50 at a time and you have to click over and over and over, right? Versus like uh, having some search <laughs> and sort. Like, I get that. Intrinsically, I never build software that is like, oh my God, as soon as someone touches it, they're like, I can't use this. I, this yeah. is impossible I, I think, to I use, think, right? I think, I think maybe the to... Team, uh, the team owns that. To, to appropriate Robbie's quote, if you're implementing pagination, you're not doing agile. <laughs> that's probably true. Um, but that, but I think that that's where, like, I think sl the, the Slack team, right, they get it. Like, when they built Slack, like, those guys, I mean, when you use Slack, for all, I mean, even if people don't like it, I think it's actually very good. I, don't, I think maybe it's just getting, I, maybe, I don't know if everyone loves it as, like, we do or other people, but you get, like, they have thought out a lot of the problems, right? There isn't that weird, um, probably, and probably those kind of problems they didn't think out in the game as much, right? And it's like, but this is where when the team, owns it right when especially when it's not like hey because even when in you know agile teams i see like there's always somebody's like well i just like to work on the database and there's like a front-end guy and you know they i mean there is a natural yeah. you know pool of software developers to kind of stay like this is the arena they want to stay in i don't want to talk to people so it's just like if you're constructing the perfect team and i'm not trying to sit here and tell you that like every you know software developer needs to become um, an extrovert and love to go research and love to like go learn but there is sort of an ex there i think there needs to be a much greater expectation of like hey you're about to go work in this domain and build software in this domain like you got to get you got to really know it you know you got to yeah. go spend some time and also you know on the organizational side right this is you know the management team needs to really you know kind of embrace that like yeah like the developers need to go out and spend some time at the conferences for that industry they need to maybe go see some customers they need to maybe do a little day in the life right not be hands on keyboards right that's just about being and that's why i think like things like devops very developer focused right those conferences are always really well attended and i think you know like chef's a good example like i mean those tools are loved beloved by big groups of people and I think you would, you know, Matt Ray, you can jump in, but, you know, I think the people <laughs> that created Chef, right, like truly empathized with the problem, yeah. right? I mean, they get it and they like, they're passionate about it, right? And I don't think you work at Chef and you're like, well, I don't, listen, I don't need to know about that DevOps thing. I'm working on the back end, right? I bet you everyone at Chef, Chef building Chef's products, you know, they're pretty committed to that domain. Um, and that's to me like what, uh, you need to be successful. And you don't just point to like, well, the product owner, right, is going to figure all this out. It's like, that yeah. is crazy. 
Well, and and that's why developers like writing developer tools so much, you know, because they're like, I'm going to scratch my itches. You know, I don't talk to me about banking. You know, that's not my problem. What I want to do is, you know, write IDE coloring highlights or, you know, new text formatters or, you know, so developers love to bike shed and, and you know, go down on the things they like. But you're right. If, if you don't have a lot of passion for the domain you're in, get boring enterprise software. Yeah. And and I don't there's not a ton of developers who love that stuff, but there are people there definitely are some who are like, you know, I wanna do this, I wanna make, you know, these business objects move around and you know, I, I wanna solve high, you know, I wanna solve airline problems and, and if you can find those and hire them, well, you know, you're probably gonna do better than just bring a body cup. Yeah. And yeah. Well, but I think this is where Agile could help. Where it's just saying, I do think there are groups of people that when come together, like, hey, we, you know, we love to build software. Um, you know, we love to get paid, and we love to have jobs, and we want to live in a certain area. And so, you know, like, the, I mean, to me, like, the appeal is like, listen, hey, this can be a high-performing software development shop working on airline software, and you know, you guys are going to have all the opportunity in the world to exercise your skills, whether it be learning big data, AI, and all the other stuff. But it's like, as part of that, right, to be great, to really build a great product and make sure your company is sustainable, right? Yeah, we are going to go out and learn about this domain. Maybe it's not the the most interesting thing, but it's part of being great at software development. You know what I mean? That's part of being great at this job, well, right? If the, you don't the, get the, that, that, you're not going to happen. Yeah, well, then that means you cannot have great software development outsourced. I agree. Well, I mean, I think kind of back to your, you know, I think generally that's probably a good, I mean, I think as a general statement, that's probably a good rule. I, or it's just like you just, if you're going to like bring it in, you you got to, you know, with those people that you're outsourcing to, you got to make sure that they're committed to like, you know, finding that empathy, right? But most of the time, outsourcing, it should be kind of the maintenance stuff, maybe stuff lower, you know, on the life cycle f- further out, like, okay, the product's yeah. been in maintenance for a while, and now we're going to just, you know, keep the bugs from getting fixed. We're not going to do a major rewrite of the UI. We're just going to, like, optimize it, what's there. And that, again, that's another place to go. Like, if you are just like, I just want to be heads down. I want every day, I want to see a, a list of triage bugs. I want to pound through 50 of them, right? So like, plenty of jobs that will let you do that. And you can pretty much put on your headphones, be left alone, you know, check in your fix, right? Test it and you're done. Um, but, you know, again, for company, I think people listening to this, you know, often, I don't, I don't know who you are, but I appreciate you listening, but I, it comes back to, I think a lot of people want, are trying to build great software and I know they care about the methodologies. A lot, I, I end up, you know, seeing people are talking to them. We talk a lot about methodologies, but that's always the thing I come back to is like, don't get so caught up in the methodology or bring as much passion about the methodology. Bring that same passion to like the user empathy and the problem you're trying to solve because fine, maybe we don't have the perfect agile meetings, but if we just have the empathy, you're going to really raise the likelihood that you're successful. Wow. I, I, so, feel, I feel like, remember that time in the second debate where Hillary Clinton did that little shoulder shimmy thing? That's what I feel like now. Just like, woo! Like, that, 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 there's a lot of exciting <laughs> topics right here. Uh, yeah, you know, I think, I think, I think to try to summarize uh, uh, some of that stuff, you know, I, I mentioned there was five buckets and went over three. And the two other buckets, I think, are, uh, I, I, guess, I guess I hadn't thought of it this way, but they're tactics of, and, and I use the word tactics very specifically, they're tactics to either uh, take advantage of um, passion for a problem or to make sure that you can, like, uh, get developers to do boring shit or, in the least case, sort of, like, contain the blast radius of their boredom, right? 
And and so so what I mean by that is, uh, you know, if if you have developers, a team of developers even better, who are excited about the thing they're doing and they're dogfooding, then one, you're going to invent a lot of JavaScript frameworks. But two, you'll probably end up with some products that are actually good in there, right? Like, I, you know, it's funny. You talk, uh, I've, I, I have, uh, you remember our friends, uh, Zane and Charles? You talk with them and they're like, I remember back in my 20s when I wrote a complete platform that did everything. Good times, right? Like eventually every developer wants to write a platform and frameworks and all that stuff. And so that's why there's so many of them. And, you know, now that I think of it, I think many of the, uh, many of the great developers that we would consider basically wrote software for developers, right? People who wrote Unix, people who wrote programming languages, people who wrote databases, they were all writing, you know, uh, products for developers. And there's a few, I guess, great ones who, uh, you know, but then again, like who wrote Word and PowerPoint? Like we don't really know. I guess we know who wrote a web browser uh, and things like that. But anyhow, so I, I think, but I think the more interesting case and the one that people stumble up against is how do you get them to do boring stuff? Like, and, and I guess you can mention airlines and the, the typical thing. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think, I think, yeah. I, I, what, I think one of the main things is, and th- this is the tactic that I, I spend a fair amount of time talking with people about is like, so let's stick a process and tactics in place that address something Brandon talked about earlier, which was, uh, the, the sort of another, the third or fourth or the N plus one unspoken thing about Agile is basically how it works is developers get to tell people to shut the fuck up and like stop changing requirements and stop interrupting them, which is kind of the ultimate like that can never happen here thing. And so what, what you do, one of the Agile okay. tactics is like, well, don't talk to me for two weeks. <laughs> and like... If you actually do that, then there are results that you get. And it seems like an impossible way of going about stuff. But it's also a way to encourage people to work on boring things because you basically are incredibly prescriptive about what they do. And you have them work on it for a week. And then you go and check in and see if they've done it. And then you can switch the requirements on them. And I mean, really, if they're bored at working on stuff, all you can prey upon is, well, you like programming and money. So here's some programming and money. Right. And then, you know, you can people talk a lot about like how to uh, uh, sort of treat developers with kid gloves and stuff like that. And I mean, that's like I think from a managerial perspective, what a manager uh, what the leadership, as I like to say, of developers has to do is to manage, I guess, like cost and caring with the sort of like quality of software that you have out there, right? And the more money you put into cost and caring and taking care of the staff, the higher the quality will be, but maybe you don't need high quality, right? And and you can just put up with uh, with bad quality, but that's a call that someone has to make and they have to determine if, if, if that's working well or not. Yeah. What were you trying to edge in there, Matt? <laughs> All right, we had some connection problems. But now we're back. We'll see if we can pick up our train of thought. Yeah, so you're saying there, Kote, I think, you know, your point about, you know, definitely every team needs to keep everybody engaged. But I do think, you know, to your point, I, maybe the biggest thing that you can do is bringing in people at the right time. Like most teams that I've seen, especially in more of the startups, like are much too big for like where they are in their search for product market fit, right? Like, you know, and that maybe is the biggest thing, because at the beginning, you definitely are going to need people that are bought in on the idea as much as anything, right? If you have a two or three guys, or you know, you're getting your prototype, you're getting your first rev out, like that core team has got to be pretty committed to solving this problem. Now they can solve it 
because they love the problem. They can solve it because they, they think there's just a ton of money in it or some combination of both. But they got to find that motivation. And I think if you're as your team gets bigger, right, obviously, you know, there's different ways to motivate people. And you can also probably, you know, do more of the software developer writing code in, in the cave by himself. Like, that's definitely um, – but I think it's just being honest with yourself. Like, where are you at with – your, you know, your pursuit of product market fit, where are you at? Who's on this team? And, you know, how big should it really get? And, you know, don't bring it, don't get too big if you don't have that user empathy and that problem really figured out. Or if you do just realize that the situation is like, you know, it, it could end poorly, right? You know, maybe, maybe you hit it, but maybe a bunch of people, you know, leave under less than ideal terms. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we should wrap this topic up since we're almost at an hour. Because I'm sure Matt Ray, <laughs> Matt Ray wants to go like spend time with his family on Saturday afternoon. He's he's living in the future, so he's one more day closer to the election being over. We'll we'll have to call him. Uh, we'll call him on okay. Monday to figure out what the results were in the future. It'll be very. But but oh, before before fantastic. we before we wrap up the topic, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that uh, that I mean, among many others, you're evoking in my mind. One is I'm remembering we have an internal. This this is there's there's a hilarious part of the story related footnote. There's a internal sort of like a Quora form sort of system that Pivotal people wrote. See, that's the joke. They wrote their own platform uh, to do it. <laughs> uh, they wrote their own system instead of taking it. And it actually is pretty good. I, uh, I like it a lot. And I was reading a thread there uh, recently, and they're talking about some, this is the Pivotal Labs people, some large enterprise customer they were using. And the question was, uh, I was just told we have been assigned 50 people to start this project. What do I do? And and yeah, it was exactly this point Brandon was making, which was like, well, we're going to fail. This is too many people to start a project like it. Like, w why do we have and, and the suggestions uh, range the pract the the gamut from like genuineness to Machiavelli. Right. The genuineness was like, well, you need to tell them that this is too many people and blah, 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 blah. Right. And and, uh, and and then the Machiavellian one. Do the right thing. Yeah. And the Machiavelli. That's I think that's one of our mottos. The Machiavellian one was like, give them some fucking busy work. Right. Like have them go do some training or rearrange their sock drawer whatever. Like if you can't get rid of these people, you need to get rid of them somehow. You got to quarantine them and have them go do something. And I think, you know, th this this leads to another principle that I. I don't know a helpful, like, I don't know a helpful way of putting it. I, I don't really like suggesting things unless there's some sort of chart involved to back up what I'm saying, metaphorically and literally speaking. But there's really no way around it. It's just like pretty much the way that most, and by most, I mean percentage-wise, most people think and act like software is done is just wrong. It's just like you're doing it terribly wrong. And Brandon, you know, you've gone over many instances of this, right? And the number of people doing it and this idea that developers don't need to know about the product, like all these things, it's just like people's perception and, and the way that they act about how software operates is just is just screwy. And and this reminds me of a, um, I forget the dude's name, but I'll put a, we'll put a link to it uh, at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 77. And uh there's a there's a good rant from one of I think he might be former or current one of the people who works in the the UK global digital service and it's it's long and he goes over basically here's all the way that I think uh, UK government people are fucked in the head about how they think about IT and you know most people uh, who would be listening to us talk about this they'll read through it and and laugh and shake their head and like it's you'll be like yep sounds that but it's just like. The thing that I always want, the reason why I like government people complaining about IT is they think, 
Ironically, they think they're a special snowflake, and that's how government IT is. But that's pretty much how all large organization IT is. Like, it's all people are running in this screwy way. So it's like, it's really hard. But this is what I mean, this is what I spend a lot of people trying to tell people. And what others do is just like, yep, you're doing it all completely wrong. Let's start over with a small <laughs> team of people. And like, well, that sure as hell doesn't sell a lot of software without a bunch of, you know, expensive scotch and long meetings and stuff. Like, it takes a long time to walk people to that. It doesn't, yeah. you know, I, you, you made a great point. Whoever posted that question is on your, um, your core site there, your, uh, is, is really hitting it on, and I can answer part of it at least, and say, and this is why it comes back to like, you know, we, we think about tactics, we don't think about how we got to those tactics. It's like, you know, that guy's probably like, hey, we need to do an agile team, we have 50 people on there. But I'm sure what happened before that is somebody in the organization was like, I really think there's a market opportunity to fix this some problem, right, to build some software. And he had to go to a group of investors or a large, you know, in a big company, maybe a group of executives and make a presentation. And the presentation required him to say something like, I'm going to build this and it's going to grow at uh, 50% quarter over quarter, you know, 100% year over year for the first three years. And it's going to make us $200 million. And then they said to him, and he probably knew when he said it. It was probably being grandiose, but he believes in the idea. He has to, I mean, if you don't sell your idea, he's never going to get it made. And so somebody then stuck him with 50 people, right? And these 50 people are like, we need to do agile. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, you know, we just need to figure out the problem. So if that group of 50 people, though, could say, like, listen, we know we're all here to build software, but before we do anything, we've got some big questions. If that group approached that problem versus like we got to keep everybody busy, like there's going to be an infrastructure team and a database and a logging infrastructure, right? That group of 50 probably could go out and you know discover some insights that gives them a chance rather than just implementing all the agile stuff and all the infrastructure for this soon-to-be-built software product that probably will fail. So yeah. I mean, that's just what I would think. You know, everybody is on that team. All 50 people are smart and can be like. Like, you know, we probably, that one guy that got us the money probably doesn't know all the answers. Maybe yeah, we should right. help him figure out those answers. So, so Matt Ray, to, 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 to close this out, to have you close it out, like what, uh, what do you see works? Like what, uh, <laughs> how, how do you, how do you get people switched over to do it? You've worked at many different places of varying degrees of awesomeness. Like, uh, yeah. how, how, how have you seen people switch over to doing things in a good way? Um, well, you know, for all the, the hammering on, on agile, you know, the, if you adhere to the principles, you are constantly looking for continuous improvement and you actually buy into the vision of the product, you can get highly functional software, you know, software teams and, and, you know, as, as you pointed out, like, yeah, the folks I work with here at Chef are really passionate about the domain. They know what they're talking about. You know, they, we we you know we eat, live, breathe the stuff. And how do you translate that into other domains? You know, is is still hard. But um, you know, you have to you have to get into that the, the whole kaizen mindset of continuous improvement. And whether it's DevOps, whether it's software development. If you're on that track and constantly reevaluating what you're doing as, as a software development team, not just you know understanding the product, but if you're always looking for constant improvement, you're at least on the right path. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, on that note, here's my last parting thing. So I that this this article we've been discussing was an excerpt from a uh, work in progress that I have. And here's what I'll do just for y'all listeners. I will open up that for public comment after I scrub any embarrassing pivotal stuff out of it. And uh, I'll put it in the show notes. You remember where those show notes are, Matt Ray? Softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 77. Yeah, look at that. You can teach an old dog new tricks, even though he's upside down <laughs> on the globe. But uh, if, if you go there, I'll put a link to it. And you can go in and I'll put the uh, commenting and suggestions thing on. And uh, it's not completely done. But, you know, what I could use some help with, other than you telling me that I'm fantastic and just like no changes required, is like finding all the little stuff that I'm missing. Like Brandon hit upon one. Like I have a little finance section I haven't finished out yet. And he, I didn't, I mean, I've, I've made those slides, Brandon, many times. <laughs> I used to work in strategy. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, like that's one thing is like, what do you do about that? And just, uh, man, this is what I like. All this shit is stuff that I, uh, I, I'm writing about in there and I talk about. So that's, uh, that's exciting stuff. And then, you know, as always, why don't we have our end roll mid roll, so to speak? <laughs> I, I have actually had, I haven't, you guys will love this. I have had two people follow up about sponsoring the show and they had a lot of questions. They didn't just send over money. So I need to respond to them and, uh, and talk to them. We'll, wow. see. we'll see if we can get, we can get some, uh, get some ads in there, but why don't I you better get them in there before we insult them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, th- thank, thankfully, I think one of them brokers ads for enterprise software stuff. And the other one is about is is a area of, of the software world that I don't think we'd ever have cause to insult. Uh, so so it's safe. <laughs> <laughs> but for how long? <laughs> yeah. So get, why, get it on our radar. So so why don't why don't you tell people the uh, the DevOps Days Australia deal you have, Matt Ray? Well, uh, yeah. Um, Software Defined Talk is a community sponsor of DevOps Day Sydney. So uh, you need to go and, and check that out. Um, it's going to be December 1st and 2nd. And I know a uh, friend of the show, Bridget uh, Krumholt, is going to be there. Mm. And lots of other exciting folks. So uh, hope to see you there. Uh, and registration, I think, I opened yesterday or two days ago on, on your side of the planet. Oh yes, yeah. And the up- or maybe it's the upright. Yeah, I don't. Do, do, yeah. you, do you have anything, Brandon, that you want to throw out there? Uh, I do not. Just you know, leave us a review, and uh, I enjoy reading the reviews with Costco recommendations in it. So uh, I'm actually going to give a shout out. My niece has promised to review uh, the podcast Ooh. in uh, in iTunes because uh, she is becoming a convert to podcasts. So. I'm going to ask her specifically to uh, leave a review for us. So Casey Witchard, I expect it will read it on the next. Um, we will read it on the next uh, episode of Software Defined Talk. Wow, now wow. that that is that's that's, that's what they, um, that's what you call a a uh, in roll mid roll re roll. I think it's an ad yes, ad exactly. for other yeah. So I only have a couple of things. One, I mentioned I'll be speaking at the All Day DevOps Days. That's on November fifteenth. You can it's a, it's a it's just a virtual conference. I really do like the bag they sent me. It smells great. It's genuine leather, as something hanging off, hanging off of it says. And then also, uh, I just I was in Kansas City this week, and we had a a, a cloud native roadshow there, a pivotal thing, and it was it was like even better than I thought it would be. I oh, well, obviously when I gave a keynote, it was awesome, but we had this separate little executive track. And there were like twelve or fifteen people in there, and we talked a lot about we talked a lot about um, some of the issues we talked about here, mostly about how you get 
people who are resistant get bosses to do this stuff. And we had Garmin come talk there about how they're doing stuff. It was really interesting. It was fun. And so we have one on November 16th in a couple of weeks in Omaha. And you can come there for free and get some free lunches. And it'll be a similar format. You can, uh, I, you know, I don't really know what they do in Omaha, stake and compound interest as far as I I know. Uh, but that that should be lots of fun. You should uh, You should come out to that. And then also, there's all sorts of other cloud native roadshows and other geographies in uh, in the month of November. You just just go to the uh, go to the show notes to uh, look that up. So uh, with that, maybe I'll actually follow up with these advertising people, and we'll be able to talk about other stuff. It'll be very exciting. <laughs> they, one of the, one of the so things excited about that. One of the things they asked me was to send an example of an ad read, and I'm just kind of like, there is no example of an ad read. That's the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I gotta, I gotta get a car to get a job, and a job to get a car, and then to get a girlfriend, I need a car. Like it's just like I don't, oh, you know how it goes. Hands on a heart body, man. Late, late oh, titty cock. Kote, let's just do it right now. We can absolutely do an ad. We'll just do it right now. Hey, Kote, uh-huh. I was thinking the other day. You know, I was driving in the car, and I was looking for to listen to. You know, one thing I used to listen to, Audible.com. Oh. On Audible.com, <laughs> over. Five million books are there to listen, uh, are available for you to download and to listen in your uh, in your car. I, mean, I think we've had some good recommendations from Cote. Mm-hmm. Matt Ray's had some very questionable recommendations. You know, my oh. book in Audible right now, Chaos Monkeys, or Chaos Monkey, uh, about Facebook and product management and sex, lies, and Mark Zuckerberg. It's awesome read, so go listen to it. So you don't even have to use a code, but if we had a code right now, Cote, we'd say it. We'd be like, Software Defined Talk. In fact, go to Audible, use the code Software Defined Talk, get absolutely nothing off. You will get no discount at all. But maybe the people at Audible will call us and you know, throw us a bone. So you know, I send have... this to your listener or your our potential advertisers, and you know that's that's the kind of ad read that we can pull together. I have a book to recommend all about uh, platforms, and I'm listening to it in Audible. I think it's like Platformonomics or something. And I've got to tell you, it is a uh, it's a terrible book to read in print version because it's like a very typical business book, which is sort of like all sorts of like, you know, halo nonsense spread throughout. But you read you listen to it like uh, when you're driving back home from Houston on like 2x speed and you can just blaze through that thing and pick out the good points. So sometimes you have these terrible business books to read and you get the audio version much more pleasurable. And then you can also fall asleep on planes to it and feel like you're accomplishing something. Learning through osmosis. Yes, sleepmosis. So uh, wow. why don't as as we do every week? Why don't we wrap up with some recommendations? First of all, there are a lot of great articles that Matt Ray found that we did not cover. There's a good one about OpenStack, which I I'll 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 leave this OpenStack one just titled as "With Friends Like These, Who Needs Enemies?" But there are some good Ouch. points that uh, that Shuttleworth brings up. I think he, the nut of what he's saying is actually excellent, which is like, how about we just make the core of this thing work and focus on that? And then there's uh, there's some pieces on like uh, it's a pretty thorough overview of uh, private equity and kind of a state of the affairs there. That's interesting, and then all sorts of other things. But why don't you tell us what you recommend this week, Brandon? I recommend Westworld. I assume everyone's watching this on HBO. I meant to like you know get to this last week, but we didn't record. But you know, Westworld, new HBO series about um, I'll just say you know what I'm not even. You guys know what it is. Everyone, you know, go watch the trailer, look it up if you haven't seen it. But 
you know, of course, I love all the shows that are complicated. You know, we're not really sure. What are we seeing? Lots of different theories out there on the internet of what's happening. So if you're a fan of, like, you know, that kind of stuff, um, it's a little futuristic. It, I think you, I think anyone that listens to this podcast would probably like to check it out. Um, I think there are four episodes out there on HBO uh, Go or HBO Now or whatever your HBO preferred platform is. So check it out. And I think there's like six more to go. So it'll be interesting to see how it ends. So so listen, this is this is the favor I'm going to ask of you, Brandon. I don't want to get involved in another lost situation. Like I started watching that Mr. Robot show recently and I was like, fuck, it's happening again. Like it's going to turn out that it's all just, you know, someone's dream. And so I want you to make sure that with this Westworld thing, if I remember the movie, that it, like as long as it doesn't turn out that everyone is a different kind of robot, I don't want to. I don't want a Battlestar Galactica situation. That was also a bad ending, right? Like things were going great, and then you're just like, ah, fuck, right? And well, it's interesting, Kote. It's very interesting you say this because I, I sort of lost as a. Uh... You know, the, we could have a whole episode on the disappointment of the lost episode, oh. uh, the ending of Lost, but we'll just skip where, over that. Where so did that bigfoot come from? I have sworn off. I was like, I'm done. I don't want to watch this, you know, this kind of stuff anymore. But I, I don't know. I mean, I just I can't learn. Like, I mean, I avoided the show for a while. Lots of people were talking about it, and I have to say, like, it is really compelling. But you know, so so for you, Kote, don't watch until until I get till the end of the season, and then All I can right. give you like a heads Good. up. Like, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right. Well, I don't know. I mean, it could, it could. Now, I will say the one thing I did read about this. They said that they had planned out five seasons. They have them written or oh. the arcs, pretty much. So someone has thought it out, right? Okay, there's that. There's that. That's usually a good sign. Yeah. So that's a good because I think I'm lost. I think they have now come clean. Like they just wrote that that uh, pilot of, of Lost, yeah. like. Hey, like they just like we just got a bunch of people on an island, and we'll figure it out when we get there. Yeah, but, in fact, some would say they use agile writing development, and we can oh. see how. <laughs> oh, ding! Um, so anyway, I I have confidence though that someone there is an arc that they're working towards. Now we can debate whether it's good or not. Whereas Lost, there was clearly no arc, so yeah. we'll see. Yeah. That that reminds me also also uh, uh, of of questionable. Uh, decisions nowadays i i listened to an old interview with peter Thiel, and someone asked him about an old journal article he'd written he was like if you find yourself writing a, a journal article late into the night you should probably stop you know it's just uh, you don't you don't want to quickly write things overnight but uh yeah, yeah. well my my recommendation before we get to matt ray he has alluded to what he might recommend i, I think so we'll leave that that delightful recommendation to the end i've got i've got a whole slew of costco recommendations i want to run through <laughs> Now, my primary one is, I'm sure you've seen them in the store. Maybe you even bought them. But I want to encourage you to keep buying the Sugar Bowl Madelines. They come in this little thing. They look like leaves that have fallen off the tree, and they taste so much sweeter. I, I got some of those on Saturday, and I think I must have eaten like five or ten of them. Like, I'm looking forward to Saturday when I just eat whatever I want. I'm going to eat the whole rest of that box. They're delicious. They're good. And, you know, who knew? Who knew? I guess Prouse did, but I haven't read that. Put that in your audible.com. So, also... Uh, you know, you know, in the fancy section, you know, they got the frozen section, the refrigerated section with the cheap stuff. And then they got the expensive stuff over there by the, uh, the pizza and their St. Louis ribs that you can get your Tillamook, your, till, how do you say it? Tillamook cheddar cheese there. That stuff's delicious. I've eaten lots of slices of that this week. And then finally, I got another pair of the, uh, the brushed khaki Kirkland five pocket pants. I think I think these are highly recommended. They're twelve dollars, and they'll make you feel like James Dean, or barring that, some other person with flop over hair who uh, never buttons up their shirt and wears it over a wife beater. You just just be living that life. 
What do you got for us this week, Brian? Uh, whoever you are, Matt. <laughs> you know, I haven't been <laughs> the to other Costco guy in like six months. Yeah, I know you're feeling uh, it, aren't you? You're feeling it. You're like, I want to well, buy two loaves of bread for the price of one. What do I do? Where, where, you know, where is my Rudamaya coffee light roast? No, I don't want the dark roast. I want the regular roast. Where is it? But, but they, you know, the thing is, they have Costco here, but it's like forty-five minutes away. Oh, it's like oh, living in Austin. <laughs> Uh, my pick is Tokyo. I love Tokyo. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I got to, to go up for a, um, Microsoft tech, uh, summit thing. Oh, and yeah, I and, saw a picture of you and yeah, I got to give a, a, a nice uh, little talk and everyone was very delightful. Um, but I, I just love Tokyo cause it's like, you're living in this, you know, whenever you were reading your, your William Gibson, your Bruce Sterling, you know, and they talk about like the future and stuff, it's, it's Tokyo. It's so everywhere you go, there's just weird robotic stuff and, you know, toilets that talk to you and, mm. and, you know, giant robots everywhere and, uh, you know, video screens. It's a little dystopian yeah. except for the fact that it's super clean and everyone's really nice and friendly. Mm. Um, and it's all like, sorts it's, of, like, it's know, like Tokyo exotic- where the future is evenly distributed. <laughs> well, and it's also not expensive, which is interesting. Like mm. you think, I mean, you'd think it would be kind of, you know, I don't know, like Sydney is super expensive. But Tokyo, because they got 25 million people crammed in there and it's so huge, uh, you know, it's not particularly expensive food or drink or, you know, getting around is really easy. Uh, just don't take an Uber. Um, those are like ridiculously expensive. But, you know, as long as you're patient enough for the trains and, you know, can can read uh, the guides. Everything is great. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I was only there on a uh, uh, a double red eye. Um, so that that was. Whoa! What is the double red eye? You're going out and coming back. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I had to be I had to be home for Halloween. Um, so for Halloween, I had a father son costume, and uh, that probably needs to be in the show notes too. Um, where my, my six-year-old was 10-10, and, and I was the captain. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, so I had to do Halloween, and then wrap up the trick-or-treating, hop on a plane, fly to Tokyo. I slept in a, in a, in a cabin hotel. That was awesome. Oh, nice. And then, you uh, had, like, the full yeah. experience. Exactly. And then... Um, you know, the you full know, experience and, that would allow you to stay married, I guess. <laughs> well, even when I... My wife and I went last year for the OpenStack Summit. We had a great time. Mm. So, you know, it's it's not uh, it's it's not like going to Thailand or something like that. There, it, there's the very headline. Different. Even wives like Tokyo. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, and then, you know, spent a night there and then flew back on a red eye, too. Wow. So, wow. it's... Uh, well, that, that, yeah. that's, that's a solid recommendation. You know, I have flown through Tokyo several times, but never actually been there. So, I should, I should do that. That'd be fun. Well... You know, this this reminds me of a bonus recommendation I had, and and uh, we'll put a few pictures in. And that recommendation is Matt Ray's hair. I have been looking at Matt Ray's hair in pictures recently, and it's looking great, Matt. You're doing a good job. I don't know if it's intentional, but you got this you got this kind of like skinny thing going on, and you got some hair that's just like adventurous with a beard. It's just like just rolled out of bed and just ready to rock and roll. It's it's, it's good stuff. I like your hair. Everyone should get hair like that because I, I have been thinking the next time I go to my uh, to my haircutting uh, artiste Abby Gafco here in Austin, you should definitely go to her. She cuts beards and your hair for about fifty dollars total, sixty dollars if you give her a good tip. 
I just need to tell her, like, I need to do something with my hair. I'm bored with it. Uh, and so, you know, I think, I think Matt Ray's hair, not bored with that hair. It's good hair. <laughs> so, as always, this has been softwaredefinedtalk.com, the podcast. You can, as we've mentioned many times, you can now go to softwaredefinedtalk.com to see the full glory of this podcast. I would tell you to go into iTunes or whatever, but like at the top of that page, there are now buttons that you can click on to subscribe and whatever the fuck you want. All the way to obscure shit like Stitcher. I didn't overdo it, but you know, all sorts of things. So you can get the show notes for the page at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 77. Uh, and you can go back and look at all of them. Now, Brandon did recommend that you go write a review for us in iTunes, and that is definitely a good idea. You should do that. I also, I've been looking at the stats, and there are a lot of people who use Overcast to listen to this. Now, I have no idea what this is going to do, but you know what you should really do is just open up your little Overcast thing and scroll that beautiful cover art we have and click that recommend button. I don't know what that's going to do, but let's try it out. Let's see if every everyone in the 68 to 100 people or so, this I think there's even more who listen to it in Overcast. Just recommend it and we'll see what happens. But yeah, you know, basically, if you tell other people to listen to this, uh, it, it means we might actually have a code for our Audible ads and, and other people. And also, it's fun to hear people say they listen to it. So... Uh, I think that's it. We'll see everyone next time. Bye. I'm from I'm from Laconet. I'm from Cornet. That's on the other side of March. Little small country, little country town. And a country boy is gonna come here in Longview and walk away with a truck. I'm gonna be proud. The things that came to mind was, hey, your diet. What are you gonna eat? What are you gonna drink? I'm gonna eat a lot of vegetables. I'm gonna stay away from. Uh from sugar as long as I can, stay away from caffeine until it gets down to the wire. Calcium, calcium tends to make you tired. That was a big part of it, you know, what I decided to eat and drink. I'm going to fast that day. I think I'm going to fast that three nights, that three days. If I fast, I, nothing can't come out, nothing can't go out. <laughs> what about energy, though? Don't you think you need oh, that's what I don't think I probably like that. I probably eat an orange or a sneaker. That's, that's enough energy for me, sir. When I was training, when I was in track training, that's how I used to eat orange and a sneaker and I carry through the day. I feel just fine. I'm trying to get some shoes right now. My shoes kind of flat on my feet, and I'm trying to get hold to my lady friend to bring my tennis shoes on over here. So with the tennis shoes, what they give you more support? Yeah, I got some pumps, and they pump me up. You know, I think everybody waiting on that one person to fall down or fall out, and then you see some more people falling behind them. See, nobody really wants to be the first one to fall out. That's, that's, that's the main thing right there. I'm sending him to the store to walk to Kmart and give me some sneakers and give me some more energy. Right now, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. I can't wait for my tennis shoes to get here. When my tennis shoes get here, hey, I got this. Now, I feel like uh, they were everybody waiting on the first person to crop out. Yeah. If one person crop out, I, I feel like this. Everybody else, somebody else will go after that one person. So you think everyone's just sort of holding out and wait? Just waiting. Yeah, that's... Oh, uh, I don't know why I'm leaving here. got to be a storm. A storm got to come through here. Like a, you know, I'm scared of lightning thunder. If that come through here and do it real bad, as long as it's full way out, I'm gonna stay. But if it get closed, I got to go. Tell them to get the mosquito spray out of the car. Tell them to go get the mosquito spray. The mosquitoes a problem out here yeah, tonight. Mosquitoes start biting me. Yeah, that's all the problem I have. The mosquitoes starts biting me, and uh, I had too much sun, uh, too much light in my eyes. I had to put my shades on. Anybody could uh, back out any second, any minute. But right now, everybody trying to hang kind of tough there. Laughing all ago, she said it was the Holy Ghost. That was pretty cool. Most likely, you know what's going to happen. The night before the contest, I ain't going to get no sleep. I know that already, but I'm going to be too excited. I get excited 
for anything. With anything's come up, I get excited and I can't go to sleep. And that was gonna be my most of my problem. Right there that Monday that Monday night, I ain't gonna able to go to sleep. I'm not gonna be able to go to sleep because my mind gonna be focused on that truck, on that truck, on that truck, on that truck. I said, like, I'm gonna tell my man, sit back now and go to sleep and rest. I don't know how the world I'm gonna go to sleep that night because that's gonna be my problem right there because I'm gonna stay up all that night focusing on that truck and then I'm knowing I'm gonna be weak that night. So that's gonna be my most of the problem right there that night because I know when I get my mind focused on something, I can't go to sleep. That's going to be the problem. Now, if it's thunder lightning, I said it earlier before, I don't like thunder lightning. But if the weather turned out to be okay, I'd be here. That's the only thing, you know, concerning me right now is the weather. Ask you people that don't know or don't believe that, but I'm telling you, if I win this thing, that's going to be why. If it don't rain, hey, I'd be here for a little while. How many, uh, what number of Snickers bar is that? Oh, man. Uh, one, two, three, four. Hell, how, how, how many breaks I have? I could stay up all night. I could stay up all night. I don't know why that's a problem. I could stay up all night and want to sleep through the day. That was my biggest problem, most likely going to be. It's through the day. If it has anything to do with the heat and the weather? I love heat. I love heat. That Somebody was telling me about last year, they had a tent. I don't want the tent. I don't want the tent. Let's get out there in that pure sun and let's go for it. That's what I want to do for it. Hey, don't help nobody out. Hey, let's, hey, you think you could stand out here in pure sun night? I hope it get hot. I hope it get 90 degrees, 95, 100 right there. Hey, then somebody got to go. That's what I'm looking at. That, just like that. Yeah, well, it probably will be real hot. Well, yeah, but I don't want no, I don't want no tent on my head. I want pure sun. And then we like to say, then that's the contest there. You gonna put a tent on it? I think you helping somebody, helping me out, than another person, people out. Don't need no tent. Get rid of the tent. I don't want you put a tent up there when it starts raining. You put a tent up there, then keep it from getting wet and getting cold. But no tent, no sun, the sun out there, no cloud up there. Pretty sunny day. Hey, no tent. Let's go for it. It's getting time for me to hang it up because my knees getting swelling up, my foot swelling up, and all of a sudden. I had just got my blood pressure checked and it was kind of low, and that kind of scared me at that then, you know. That candy killed him. And why do you think so? <laughs> it weakens. In any sport, if you ever played a game of football, any sport, you, you never eat nothing sweet like that. That's too long a stand. That candy, not in, it's not an energy food. Candy's not energy food. That killed him there with this heat because it's hot out here now.